All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Kill Your Internet podcast. Today's guest, we have iHeartRadio DJ, friend of the band, very familiar voice in a lot of cities around the country. We have our man Mike Jones on this week. Mike, what's up, buddy? What's up, dude? Thanks for having me on the podcast this week. I appreciate it, man. Absolutely, dude. I've been waiting for this one. We've had a we had Wendy Rollins on. She was our first guest ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had Sarah from WMMR. We had uh, Bruce Warren from WXPN. We've had a lot of people in radio. But you, my friend, it's funny. We we always wind up doing this thing where with a guest, I like to pick out like one thing about them that like draws us to them. And you, my friend, are unique. You are a unique voice in radio. Just a unique dude. And I'll kind of get into why later but i just want you to know i fucking appreciate that because it's so hard to find like in a music industry setting just someone who's like uniquely themselves you know what i just i always want to come off when i'm on the microphone like when we're talking when i'm on the radio whatever it might be just me it's it's just me it's the same dude and you know that because we've hung before yeah be yourself the three things i wrote down were music you're very passionate about music your orioles your baseball you love your baseball and wrestling, pro wrestling. We talked about it last time I seen you. That's it. You got you got me in a nutshell. You I got nailed three that, things. Bro. That's it. <laughs> and to me, three things that I do love. And uh, I just like right away, I was just like, all right, I got to have Mike on. I got to talk about this. But uh, <laughs> the first question we're asking everybody, how's quarantine been? How you holding up? Everybody good? Yeah, it's good. I mean, you know, I, I'm ready to get back to work, get back to the studios and everything. I'm I'm here actually in my home studio on the pillow fort, which I had to set up. I was given 24 hours notice. They gave me a big uh, a big Pelican case with a board and the computer. And they said, here you go. Figure set it this out. Up. <laughs> if you need any help, you call us. And I'm like, I think I got this. The technical thing is no problem. I'm actually pretty good with that, like wiring stuff and yeah. everything. But I didn't know about the soundproofing and everything. And I was like, all right, oh, that's well, a pillow for it. So that's why I have eight pillows behind me, three in front of me every day. Now for the last four months, I've been talking to the same three pillows and it's kind of weird, but are you starting to see now. things? You started like becoming your friends. Like you feel like you're talking to them. Like, cause I know I was talking about before the interview, I was saying like, I have the studio room in my house. And like, even at this point, I'm looking at these four walls. It's like, what the fuck, man? I can't it's, do this anymore. <laughs> it's a lot. It is a lot. And there, like, there are days when, I, I just feel like the four walls are getting closer and closer. But then there are other days where the inspiration comes as soon as I wake up and it's just like, hit the microphone. Let's go. We got a lot to do today. Let's make people happy. And that's the reason why I make sure every day I'm at, at my best in here. Because if even one person's listening and they're smiling on their way to their job or to their back to their home, whatever it might be, I want to make sure they're having a good time with me. Well, dude, the thing is too, like with radio, especially in, in like DC and Philly for you, like those are the, the home markets per se, you mm-hmm. know, lo- it's local radio, dude, you got to like still feel connected to those people. And the amazing thing is when I hear you, I can't even tell that you're in that situation. So you're doing a great job of kind of masking your masking, hiding your tears. <laughs> I have, you know what? I have to, I, I just, it, it's just, it's a matter of pride for me. And it's a matter of pride for everyone that I work with for, cool. for Amber Miller, for, for Je- Jesse, for Roach and Klinger and Elliot and, you know, all of us that, right. that we love what we do. It's for everyone that's listening. And that's why you got to make sure to put the smile on, come strong every day and give it your best. Even, even if you're having the worst show, give of it course, your best. Man. Well, I mean, the funny thing is too, like I was talking to um, Ted Stryker out in LA. And so he was moving to being the morning DJ for K-Rock, 
legendary spot, right? Yeah. And he was moving back home to start the show. He had they were doing it remotely. So this giant career step, you're doing it remotely. And then we had an interview scheduled for the podcast, and he's like, I gotta move back to the studio now. So you guys are just in flux. I feel kind of terrible for you guys, but at the same time, still putting that work in, still getting the music out. You know what? At the end of the day, dude, I'm still in a room by myself talking to myself. Yeah, so whatever. Basically. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Look, man, we're all appreciative. I'll say that much. Well, thank uh, you. Thank you. You know, we talked about unique, just being yourself. And I guess that kind of leads me to be like, dude, how did you start? I've never had this conversation with you. How did you get started in radio? Was it college radio, high school radio? Like what brought you here? It was college. It was after high school, uh, went to community college for like a semester. And then I was, I was like, I, this isn't for me right now. So I went out and, and worked and helped to fix houses for a couple of years and actually learned a lot. So that was helpful to do. Um, and then I was like, you know what? This sucks too. Now I got to figure <laughs> out what I want to do. And I was driving all the time. I was actually living in Delaware. Um, I was living in Newark. And when I would work, I would do all my stuff in Maryland, but I was also listening to YSP and MMR yep. and you know all the Philly stations, all the Baltimore stations as well. So I, I had a big You're range and I was like, man, worlds. yeah, I like, I like the radio a lot and I can form a sentence. I, I like music. I mean, I, I know a lot. <laughs> I'm a big music nerd. I think I can do this. So next thing I know, I'm back at community college. They had a good program at the one I went to uh, for radio and television. And I went from there working on the college station, then got an internship at CBS radio. And ended up working in Washington, D.C. And, and all over the country now. So it's been pretty cool. Well, it feels like it almost was kind of meant to happen. Like one way or another, you were going to find your way into that situation. Like, like, does that ever, like how many people want to do it and how many people wind up doing it? Is, there's a it's, large differential. Of all the people, at least that I went to school with, I know one person is still doing it. One person out of the whole class and that I graduated wow. with. So. Um, other people went in different directions. Like one guy is doing lighting for concerts now, which is a really cool thing. Still and in he, the industry? Yeah, loves doing that. And, you know, some other people are doing copywriting for television and commercials and everything. So, but actually in radio, only one other person. Well, dude, you were gifted with the voice for it. I swear to God. Oh, like, stop it. it. Stop. No, I, hate my I really hate my voice. Listen, I, I, did, I, did co <laughs> I did college radio, right? And uh, I did sports talk for four years at uh, Westchester University. And I realized quickly that if I was going to do it, I was going to have to kill the accent a little bit because if I'm like just having a conversation, I'll start very properly, but by like middle of the conversation, I'm throwing dudes out there. Like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm Northeast Philly. Like, You're pulling water out. You're I'm doing all that. Go dude. birds. Go birds. Yeah. And it's funny. Like I always laugh because we'll be in studios in, in Nashville and shit. And they, they make fun of me for some, they call me, they treat me like I'm in the Sopranos. They think I'm from New York. I don't know why. Little, little, Italian American stereotype there. I'm not really loving that, but it is what it is. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm serious. Like it feels like to me, like you found a passion and then you just went with it and it fucking worked out. Like what was the moment for you when you were younger and you were like, okay, music's my thing. Like, do you remember, like, was there a song? Was it like a summer where you were just like, holy shit, this is my thing. Like who were you into in early years? Gosh, I, you know, it may have been, it may have been when I bought my first CDs, which were, it was two CDs. It was Metallica's Black Album, and it go. was Rush's uh, set Chronicles. And I love both of them. Still to this day, love both of them. They're in my top bands, you know. But I was just like, man, this is cool. And I always listened to the radio with my mom in the car, and I was always drawn to the DJs when we would drive to school, whatever it was. Yeah. But also, I picked up the music stuff, too. So I, I guess it was then, like, right 
seventh grade maybe that I really started getting into it. And I was like, all right, this is the music path I'm getting into. And it's funny because I just, uh, we just saw our niece and nephew and my nephew is 14 now and he's starting his musical path. Like he's asked me some questions and I'm like, this kind of reminds me of myself. So it's pretty cool to see that. I know you're real because if you remember the first CDs that you bought, you really mean it because oh, I, I still have them too. Oh, I, I know mine too. My, I, there was a music store, Pat's music across the street from my grandma's house where I grew up and uh, it was 2004. So I was sixth, fifth or sixth grade, one of the two. And I bought Kanye West college dropout, mm-hmm. which I had to hide from my dad. Cause he wasn't a big hip hop guy and Bruce Springsteen's greatest hits. And both have stuck with me to this day. Uh, Bruce is still my all time favorite artist and Kanye you know, you know, X off all the crazy shit. I just, I'm a Kanye fanatic as far as music goes. So he's uh, ridiculous with the music. He I really know, is. But it's, it's just, it's a full-time career trying to fucking <laughs> quantify what's going on with Kanye. <laughs> Dude. So, all right. So you're here now, DC 101, all 1045. Are you still in Atlanta as well? Are you, are you simulcast there as well right now? I'm not, I, I am in Atlanta time so to time. I, for, no, it's, it's every day. Um, I'm I'm on uh, it's a syndicated show I do at night. Right. So I'm on 30 different iHeartRadio stations at night and then on the weekends as well for the rock format. So I do about I think it's 35 on that one. It's a How lot. weird is that for you to like be cuz when you're working in DC or Philly you're addressing a specific audience and when you're doing the syndicated show how is that in comparison? Like is it a, feel a little less like personal? It does I it can feel a little less personal if you make it less personal. Right. But I also had I also had a couple of years where I worked at Sirius XM oh, okay. where they do national shows. Right. And I had that mentality too, of you're talking to people everywhere. So you, you can't be hyper-focused. You can't be hyper-local, but you can still talk about things that everybody relates to. Everybody can relate to going to the grocery store. Everybody Absolutely. can relate to your cat scratching your leg <laughs> or, or your dog scratching at the door, trying to get outside, you know, stuff like that. Absolutely. You, you just, you think about things on a national scale and you think about stuff that's affecting everybody. And that's the way to make it personal and do your best with it. Well, too. And I mean, the, the uniqueness coming back in, I've always found that you've done a really good job of relating to the markets you were in. You're always out at shows in Philly. You're always out in shows in DC. By the way, you're one of the last people we saw before quarantine started. You guys, last show I saw. Dude, so... Uh, for those who weren't in the building that day, so we're we're in DC playing with a couple bands that we're friends with, and Mike Mike and his wife come out, and it was the next day, the first case was reported in DC of COVID, mm-hmm. and then the world stopped. So like, legitimately, Mike was one of the last people that I saw before I didn't see anybody. So, it was a great show too. You guys were awesome. Thanks. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. I love DC. I really I really do love DC. It was a market that's like really tough to break into at first. Like I it's it's odd. Like you go to certain markets and and it's kind of like whatever. DC mm-hmm. takes its music seriously. So you've got to like have some some backing there. It does and it's 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 a tough place um to get in especially like if you're rock or alternative. It's it's a little bit tougher here. Yeah. Whereas like I see Philly and I see um Atlanta's kind of tough too. But like Philly or New York or or Chicago, you know, easier to get yourself going there. But it's also like Philly, New York, Chicago, Nashville have the most, like the best, most like small venues per capita. So you can Mm. tour and not have to be bringing out 5,000 people. Um, But I found that like DC is a a music city. They love their music down there. And and I've always appreciated that. Um, We have, I don't know. We have so many venues right now. And God, I I hope they all stay open after all of this. It's it's one thing that really worries me. And like I try to say it on every one of my shows every time I'm on the air. So, and if anyone hasn't heard of this, go to saveourstages.com. Yes, sir. 
It's not anything you have to pay for. It's just a way to tell our people in Congress, please, you have to look out for these venues because it's not just the venues. It's the bands. It's the Everything. road crew. It's the people selling beer. It's everybody. It's us that want to go out and have fun. And please go to saveourstages.com. Well, it's amazing, to too, because there's so much conversation about what's essential and what's not. And so many people are saying the last thing we need to do is to worry about the arts right now. You know what? I always find it kind of insulting the fact that people depend so much on art and they love to talk about it. It's the center of our culture, but it's mm-hmm. just not ever taken as seriously as, as other things. I do realize the fact that, you know, you're not going to die. If you can't, you're not going to die. If you can't go to a show, but a matter, it's, it's just a matter of how much art has done for our culture and our world. And the fact that we need to support these people, us included, you know what I'm saying? Like, absolutely. And, and that was a conversation we had before we came on just about charitable causes, things like that. And the, one of the first things I brought up in our meeting the other day was save our stages. Like I find that to be something that's so worthwhile. Um, yeah. And there, so, think about all the, think about all the shows you small, saw tiny venues. Like, ugh. I, I think about seeing bands with a hundred people, yep. you know, see, you know, a great example of that seeing 21 pilots, when there were maybe 500 people there. So yeah. I saw the Foo Fighters when there were 500 people there in That's 1996. Amazing. That's yeah. amazing. It was pretty yeah. awesome. I was going to say a lot that. of heat because it was Easter Sunday, 1996. My mom was <laughs> pissed, but I'm glad I did. Who Easter comes every year. So Foo Fighters and 21 Pilots, who's another band that you caught before the wave? Like, who did you catch like oh, live geez. before? I was going to say it has to be a lot because, I mean, between 104.5, just like I found so much. Like, I brought up bands like Company of Thieves and mm. bands like uh, my, like M83, just bands that like I learned about through 104.5 and, and like iHeartRadio alt stations. Like, who who is like that to you? Like, you're, you're a big discovery or the band that you latched onto at an early stage. You know what? I, I always think about Joywave and I love those guys. I love Joywave. I, yeah, they're they're so great. Um, and we got to have them on the New Music Discovery stage at uh the birthday show a couple of years ago, and they played Kerfuffle at DC 101 a couple of years back. And they're just good, solid dudes. Their their music, it's weird as hell. I love oh, yeah. them. And you know, they're one of those bands that I can go see every time and always have fun with. My band is the head and the heart. Yeah. Um, so I found the head in the heart in 2011. It was my freshman year of college. And the only album I ever had to review for college radio was their debut. And it was like out of a, a box of CDs that were in the WCUR offices. And I just picked one out and I listened to it. And I, I like cried listening to rivers and roads, which is one of their, off their first record. Like, and I was like, this band is amazing. You know, 10 years later, they're one of the biggest bands in all rock. So like, mm-hmm. it was to me, like that is one band I'll always latch onto and be like, that's my early discovery. Yeah. I mean, there, you know, and there are other bands like, like AWOL Nation pops into my head, but everybody caught on to sale at the same time. Judah and the Lion, Judah and the Lion's another one. Those oh, guys yeah. are, those guys are awesome. And I love seeing all their success right and they, now. Yeah, and they they grinded on. it out too. They really grinded it out. They still grind it out. Those guys work their asses off. Funny thing about AWOL is I was out in LA right before quarantine started and I got to write a song that we just put out during quarantine with Kenny Carkeet, who was the keyboard player. For, really? Yeah. So Kenny and me are buddies. I went out there and wrote in his home studio out there. We made a song in four hours. And uh, the whole time I was just busting his balls because there's like platinum plaques for sale all over the walls and everything. And I just kept randomly screaming it in the middle of the session. Just, and I was like, how many times, <laughs> how many times a day do people do that? How many times people do, do they scream sale at you? And he's like, just fuck off, dude. He's like, shut up. <laughs> but that's an all time good dude. That was one of those things. It's like, you don't know if you want to meet people that you respect, like, like great dude, just a guy, like just a, just a good dude made music, 
cool guy. I still talk to him now. Um, so I like the I, stuff he did. He's doing with fitness too. They they got a good sound. So that's a band. If if everybody listening wants a band to check out, fitness. And I think their Twitter is fitness was taken. So that's <laughs> that's their thing. It's like maybe you guys should have thought out the name a little better, but that's okay. Well, him, him and Max, like their their whole thing is they're just like we've done this before. We know what this shit is. We're just gonna make music and have fun at this point. Mm-hmm. But it is another thing when you walk in there and there is plaques for eve six and plaques for all this shit and i was just like i showed up in an Allen iverson jersey and i was like hey man let's do some, let's make some music and he's got dogs walk around the studio just a good guy just doing my thing that's all what are you listening to now like what's interesting you right now um you know it, and i'll say this it's been it's been hard to keep on the new music radar of course, all, in all honesty because of things going on um we were just talking about Joywave. They have a new project called Best Friends. It's it's Dan and uh, Jason from Sir Sly, and they just oh, put wow. out a song called Ugly Endings. And there's more. I got to hear the whole EP. It's four songs, and they're great. And that's going to be coming at the end of this month. So that's something I like. That I really mix like a lot because uh, Sir Sly came up on like my like Spotify, like a throwback playlist of things that I was listening to a lot last year. Mm-hmm. And High came on, and I was like, dude, this is a great fucking song. That's an awesome song. Oh, they're so good. Like so, those guys again, salt to the earth dudes. Now, now you got me thinking about what else is out right yeah, now that and I'm listening to. This doesn't even need to. to be new music. It could be what are you listening to now? What's interesting to you? It could be throwback stuff. You could be talking about Rush. Like, um, yeah, I, I, you know what? I actually did. It's funny they just put out the 40th anniversary of uh, Permanent Waves, and I don't know if you've seen the video. They did a, a cartoon video for Spirit of Radio. No, I haven't seen it. You, please go look that up. It's on uh, their Twitter at Rush the Band. Um, they did this whole thing, and there's so many Easter eggs, not just to Rush, but to Radio in America and and Canada. And it's I was really say, really for a cool. Canadian band. That's pretty badass. I like that. Yeah, and it got you know it. They're they're in my top four all the time. So <laughs> all right, so give me run me down some of your other tops because you want you want to bring that up. Let's let's go. Well, it's them. Yeah, it's them. It's the Foo Fighters, Weezer, and Oasis. That's there the you four. Go. That's I the mean, four. and that's and that's also branching off of those bands like Lamino Gallagher and Taylor Hawkins of the Coattail Riders. Yes, so, sir. so they're all the umbrella bands underneneath too. High flying, high flying birds is one of my favorite records. Yes. Of the oh my god, it's so it's just because Noel Gallagher is just such an amazing songwriter. He and is. You can tell who wrote those Oasis songs right away. <laughs> yes, he's also he's a curmudgeon. I oh, yeah. uh, I got the chance to meet him a couple years ago. He was. Oh, just as much of a prince as I hope he would be. It was great, though. It was great. And it was like, I wanted that. I wanted him to be an asshole. I wanted him just to be smoking a cigarette in my face and ask me who the fuck I was. Right, exactly. <laughs> and Lee, like Liam was very cool. I got to interview him once, and that was great. So, uh, yeah, but those are my top four. But right now, like, uh, what else am I listening? Like, we, we, we have to listen to so many new songs of course. doing this that, Listening to a full album, I honestly, the only time I get to listen to a full album is if I'm driving somewhere right now, which we're not doing much of anyway. Exactly. If I'm driving somewhere or mowing the lawn, I'll actually put in a whole record. And this weekend, it was the Foo Fighters 25th anniversary, so I listened to the first album. It's so funny you brought that up because when we were having a conversation about dropping our new music, we said there is no point right now in dropping a 12 to 14 song album. People want it in smaller doses, especially. Um and just finding there has never been a time in the history of music where you have to be more creative in how you release things. It's not anymore. You just release three singles in a record. It's, it's, mm-hmm. can you do it in a way that's going to stand out and keep people's attention? Yeah. And, and finding there are so many ways to put things out now, thinking outside the box 
maybe some people do too much. Maybe you yes, need to think absolutely. inside the box and just go back to basics sometimes. Yes. Of like, here's the music, check it out. I hope you like it. And now let's make a video and put it on YouTube and enjoy that too. So when you're when you're playing your kind of role as like someone who is a gatekeeper in discovering things and helping to break things and whether or not you take like I'm sure you do take it that seriously but like it's, absolutely what what gets you like when you when you're getting new bands stuff and I know there's a differential between when you're being funneled things from people in the industry as opposed to people who are cold calling you or you just wind up becoming friends with bands like what interests you like what is your uh you know what if if I get an email from the record company or, you know, maybe if someone in a band reach out and that happens all the time, a lot of people hit me up on Instagram or, or Twitter or something, you know, I'll, I'll give a song a chance. Of course. I say, give me, give me the song that you're most proud of. Let yeah. me hear that. Give me, give me a good quality version of that and I'll take it from there. And if I like it, then I'm going to say, okay, I'll present it to my boss and say, hey, what do you think about this? Playing it on DC 101, giving it our, our specialty new at two feature or you know, maybe I present it to the music director for the Sunday night new music show or something. So if something catches me, it can, and it can really be anything, you know, it could yeah. be something totally off the wall um, that I'm like, wow, this is really cool. Or it's something from a big band. It could be the new Black Keys song. And you're like, yeah, it's the Black Keys. Of it's course the I'm Black Keys. Just put it on. Exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. so weird. We had the conversation last week. We do a segment on the podcast called uh, What the Fuck Have We Been Listening To? And Ken, <laughs> our bass player, goes... I was just like running the other day and I just put on the new black keys record and it was, it was good. And I was like, dude, they're so trusty. Like, you know, yeah. like, th cause they had that streak of like brothers, El Camino and like turn blue where you were like, this is like earth shattering shit. And then now it's just like, I know if I go and listen to let's rock, I'm at least going to get something on there. I can keep jamming out though. Right. It's like a, you know, at this point it's like a chili peppers or a Foo fighters or uh, a Mumford and Sons, something like that, where, you know, it's going to be dependable and you know, it's going to be good. Well, it's funny you mentioned Mufford and Sons because they're a band that, like, as opposed to some other bands, they are move they are moving in different directions all the time. Which I mm -hmm. never thought I would have the conversation about Mumford and Sons pushing like genre boundaries because it seemed like for the first couple records they were set in their ways, and then they put out Wilder Mind, and I felt re I like fell back in love with the band. Like, has there ever been like, do you ever get something where like they went too far? Like they like they they're not the same anymore. Like you know what I mean? Like. I, I've heard that with, with some of the more recent Red Hot Chili Pepper stuff yeah. over the last, you know, I mean, you, you can tell there's definitely been a change in the band, but that's also because there have been changes in the band too. Yeah, and, of, and we'll you know, see what happens now that they, they switch back to John Frusciante. Yeah. And that's cool that John's coming back. Um, we'll, we'll see what, we'll see what that happens. Um, Tough break to for think. Josh Klinghoffer. <laughs> yeah. He's, he'll be just fine. He'll I'm sure right. he will be. Yeah. He's, <laughs> He can now say, I'm the dude that used to be in the Red Hot Chili Peppers. He's got a good resume. Yeah. I'm trying to think if any, like, if any bands have gone and done stuff. It's more I, like, to me, like, do you get the sense, like, when you're listening to something? Because we talk about authenticity a lot on, on here, too. Do you ever get a sense, like, you listen to something, and you're like, well, uh, the record label got a hold of them. Like, that's obviously, like, they're changing with the times. Like, it's not the same shit. Like, I've definitely said that. I can't, I can't specifically pinpoint a band that I can think about that right now. wouldn't ask you to either. No, no, but I'm just, I, I know we've definitely had those conversations of they did this because of this, you know, I they, do. they made this song to get in a commercial. We do it all the time. We talk about it all the time. And it's not only that, it's just like, okay, so, you know, synth based drums or what is in right now. Okay. We'll kick the drummer to the curb and let's just focus on that to try and get more airplay. Mm -hmm. It's odd when you see people, there's periods of time where I feel like people are chasing what's going on. And then there's other periods of time where somebody comes out and does something that breaks the mold. And then you're like, 
21 pilots were that band i think that like they went against because that was like mid like alt rock revival when you're hearing a lot of shit coming on the radio and then all of a sudden this two piece comes out and you're like well the paradigm has shifted and now people yeah. are rapping over top of insane drum beats so this is totally different and this dude's screaming but also singing and it's really really cool is it hard for you from time to time to take off what you personally like like that hat and put on what's going to get played on the radio because we're, I was talking to Sarah from WMMR, and, and that was one of my questions because she was wearing an Every Time I Die t-shirt. And I was like, is that weird? She's like, it, it's odd because sometimes I want to be playing things like Code Orange or like things like that, but people want to hear The Who and, and Zeppelin. So like, I'm just going to keep playing that. Like being that you're in the programming side, like is that hard sometimes? It, it can be because you have personal feelings about bands that you need to put aside and say, okay, as much as you love... As much as you love Primus, nobody's going to play Primus <laughs> on the radio anymore unless it's on XM on the Lithium channel. And yeah. that's fine. And I, I get that. But also, you have to understand, like like, like you were saying that Sarah said, people want to hear The Who. People come to us for Imagine Dragons and Cage Elephant and everything. And, yeah. and, you know, they love that stuff. And uh, honestly, if I wasn't working at the station, I'd be listening to the station. And that's what I do on the weekends. I'm not just listening to listen and be like, what's that person saying? What, what are they doing? What's different? No, I'm listening for the music too. So I, I feel lucky that I get to work in a format that I love. Absolutely. And, you know, and I get to play the music that I would be listening to. I'm yeah, not, I'm not faking it. Like if they put me on a country station, you'd fake could it. I do it. Yeah. Yes. Could I, you know, could I, could I do the foundation of the job? Absolutely. Would I like it? No, I would be hard thing. It would be hard for me to imagine Mike Jones just switching. He's like, well, that was Darius Rucker. And next up we have Luke. <laughs> like, I, it's authentic to me for your perspective to be like, that was Oasis. Now here's the Foo Fighters. Yeah. Because like, all I talk about with Darius is Hootie anyway. So. <laughs> exactly. I had a buddy down in Nashville who I, I work with from time to time who wrote something off uh, Darius's last um, uh, album. And I was like, did you get to meet him? And he's like, no, but would I have loved to and just busted his balls about being Hootie the whole time? Absolutely. Yeah, like, of course. Who was your biggest oh shit moment where you were at somewhere or you were interviewing somebody and you're like, I'm actually speaking to this person? Um, I'm trying to think. Did you mention Noel Gallagher? I feel like I would have passed out. No, Noel was, Noel was cool, but... But I had to, I met him doing work. I was taking right. a listener backstage that one. So it's, it's, it's kind of a difference when someone walks in, but you're doing your job as opposed to I'm a fan. Now, right. I, I had that, I did have that moment with Brandon Flowers when the Killers played our birthday show a couple of years ago. Yeah. I got to say hi, and that was really cool. And I did interview him like one on one after, like down the road oh another God. year later, which was cool. Um, I'll tell you, there was one moment I, I went, probably a bit too far backstage that I shouldn't have at the rock on the range <laughs> festival in Columbus. Yeah. Cause I was, I was by myself. I was, uh, just, you know, when you're by yourself and you look like, you know, where you're going, you can get a lot of places. Yes. Sir. So I just kept wandering back and wandering back. And it was one of the first years of the festival. Next thing I know I'm in Rob zombies dressing room. Like I, oh I wandered back there <laughs> and I realized I'd gone too far. Rob looks over. He's like, what's up, dude. And I'm like, what's up, Rob? Just, uh, Sorry, man. Took a wrong turn. Just <laughs> bolted out. And that was one of those moments. I'm like, you know what? That was really cool. Wish I'd gotten a picture, but I'm not going to disturb Rob, Rob Zombie when he's in his zone. I'm not going to mess with Rob Zombie in any circumstance because I've seen <laughs> the movies that guy makes and he's got, he's got some thoughts up there. I think for me, like we had a, uh, 
one of my biggest moments was I accidentally pushed the guys from Foster the People. Uh, we were, I've talked about this on the podcast before, but we were playing Firefly. The Arctic mm-hmm. Monkeys played, and it was the night before we were playing. And I got uncharacteristically drunk, and they started playing I Bet You Look Good on the dance floor. There's always a gap between the, the festival crowd, and there's like an artist pit where you can wander around, and then the stage. And uh, I... I'm not a guy who gets this hammered, but I started just like kind of like pushing people around and I pushed these dudes and one of them fell. And I was like, Oh my fucking God, that's false to the people. And I was like, I'm so sorry. They were like really cool. Um, other than that, for me, my most embarrassing moment was actually at a one Oh four five, uh, block party. At oh Justin no. Theater. We, we were in line for the buffet. Dude, you don't realize until you start getting into these things, the amount of like free food and booze that you get at festivals and things like this. And we had been drinking moonshine because that's who it was. Firefly moonshine sponsored the thing. And uh, we were in line and, and like, there was like this like sweet spread. And there was like, it was like vegan hoagies. And we were like, me and Ken, our bass player looked at each other. I was like, what the fuck is that? I was like, ew. And the lead singer from Mr. Wise was behind me. And she was like, I'm vegan. And I was like, Oh dude, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, wow, that looks really good. I apologize. Like, Oh man. But no. So for me, like before we wrap up music and we move on to the other two sections, like who are you right now? Like what's next? Like, cause Billie Eilish obviously like took over the alt world last year. Like, what do you see as a trend? Like, do you think we're going back towards like, are we going to have that garage rock revival? Or are we going to continue to move in one direction? Like, what do you think? I, you know what? I've been, I've been saying though that over the last couple months, these, these single solo stars are, are making things happen. I look at a guy like Kenny Hoopla. Yeah. Is just starting out. He's got his his one song out there. How will I rest in peace if I'm buried by a highway? I think Kenny's gonna be a star for sure. Great Day song. Glow. He's another dude that uh, before he he played one show of his sold out tour before coronavirus shut everything down. Oh, but man. his tour was sold out, and that's pretty impressive. I don't yeah. care how big the room is. He sold out every date in every place he was gonna go sell to. Out, sell and out. Nobody knows who you he can. is. Yeah. Sell out to shows you can, and then well, if you can build a, a fan base like that, you're going to wind up multiplying. It's just absolutely, how it yeah. It's just it's a word of mouth thing, you know. I I feel like those two are going to be stars. Um, I think Ash has a really great song with moral of the story, and I'd like yeah. to see more from her. Um, one of our people we were talking to about our radio stuff coming through is the one who reps Ash, and so I had known about that like before, and I was like, well, this is a fucking hit. Like, yeah. they, like in the today's like just like what's going on all radio right now. I was like, well, that, just pencil that in. That's a hit. Yeah, yeah. And she she worked with uh, Billy Eilish's brother. Oh well, Phineas with is Phineas. Involved. Yeah, that that dude's just everything. He's got the mightiest touch right now. Everything that dude's solid gold, man. He is. Dude, you know. Well, you know what I they mean, made? They made something completely unique. Like nobody else was doing what they were doing. So I got. It felt a lot to me like the first time you heard Royals from Lord, and you were like, "Oh shit, this is a paradigm shift." It's very yeah. simple, but nobody was vocally doing what they were doing, stacking yeah. harmonies like that, and being as clean and simple as possible. And Billy's really just talking on her music. I mean, she sings some, but. It just, it's just it's unique. simple. It's simple. It feels like it was made in a bedroom and people love it. People I said, dig it. I said for like the first, like when that came out, I was like, I don't get it yet. Like I need time with this. I need to understand. Like, it's just not what I was looking for at the time. And then when I was with Kenny out in LA, he was like, just listen to it, dude. He's like, if you want to start producing, listen to it. It's something mm-hmm. different. And I was like, wow, this is actually pretty fucking dude. Yeah. She, uh, I mean, her and her and her brother, I mean, they've, they've got gold. Let's move to our other two spots because let's okay. talk about let's talk about baseball. Let's talk about wrestling. So, okay, baseball's back. We were just talking to White Sox Dave from Barcelona Sports about this. Do you feel like it's actually going to happen? I I'm feel worried, like uh, I, I 
I feel like baseball had four months where they could have done this. Didn't do they, anything. They could have. They could have had opening day on July on Fourth of July. They could have quarantined every player. They could have had everyone have gone through coronavirus by now. They yeah. could have done this all, and they could have really done something special on Fourth of July. Instead, they waited around, and now a lot of fans. I'm I'm mad about it too. I'm mad about it. Millionaires versus billionaires. It's like this isn't. This isn't what's going on in our country where so many people are filing for unemployment every week. Yeah, and well, it was a conversation too we had before this where we were, we were talking about kind of like taking advantage of the situation that you're in, right? And baseball has been waiting for something to say like, let's put the focus back on baseball. Let's put the focus back on baseball. This isn't 1998 anymore. People aren't as wrapped up in this as they were before. Right. And that's partially baseball's fault because I feel like they banked so long on being America's pastime. I'm a baseball, I play college baseball. I'm a baseball guy. But, like, you got to start switching things up. You had a captive audience. We were waiting for something. and you Something, just, anything. And you fucking, you made it about money, and you dropped the ball. And now it just feels like every day, I mean, from the Phillies' perspective, uh, Zach Wheeler might not play now because he has a pregnant wife, which is completely understandable. We got Scott Kingery testing positive. I don't know what the case is for the Orioles, but I just feel like either way, this might wind up just being like one of those things where the Orioles go from being the last place team to winning the World Series because that's, that's fucking life. A team could get on a two-week hot streak and go to the playoffs and win the World Series. Yeah. You know? and, and you were saying about, about Phillies players, Bryce Harper's wife is going to have a kid. If I know. I'm Bryce, I don't want to play. Mike Trout, same thing. Yeah, he's probably – I mean, look, you're going to have people that want to go out there because that's what they do, and I get that. But I also understand the fact of people have families, people have kids, people have – elderly mom and dad that they got to look out for. And Absolutely. I get, I get all sides of this. It's unfortunate that baseball did this because you're right that in 1998, 99, you know, whatever Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire were hitting home run bombs all the time. Yes, sir. That's the last time people cared about baseball. Unfortunately, Fact. that and the day uh, the Yankees played after nine 11, when George Bush threw out the first pitch and everyone was, bumps. you know, yeah, everyone was rah-rahing for America then. But after that, baseball dropped off. Well, it's just like it always feels like baseball has its nose up in the air. And they, they still feel like they have a superiority to say, like, you know, we've been around since the 1800s and we are America's pastime. Dude, football's been America's pastime for the past, like, 25 years. It Absolutely. is what it is. Yeah. But how did you, like, were you always a big baseball guy or is it something as you've gotten, like, it further on and you're just like, that's my sport? Like, were you it always was, a, it was, uh, I mean, I liked, liked it as a kid a lot. Went to, you know, we went to Orioles games all the time. And then as I got a little older, I moved in, I moved into Baltimore and I was there at the stadium more and more. And it just, you know, it's a bonding thing. You can go with your Absolutely. friends, you can hang out, you can have a few beers, have a few more. And then <laughs> it's a more passive experience when you're watching it. Like if you're watching a, uh, a football game, like you're hanging on everything because there's only 16 games. Yeah. Middle, middle of the summer night game you're just there with your buddies and you can just sit there for two and a half hours passively watch i'm a lunatic though like i was a catcher i'm i i analyze everything with baseball mm -hmm. i'm 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 there i'm like all right there's a man on second they're holding him on they're not throwing a curveball here i can move the ball to the right side and let's get this guy over like that's the way i look at baseball but i'm always intrigued when i meet another baseball guy just to be like you see this shit going on these guys i just feel like we're losing it well and that's the other thing that's great about baseball is that you can be a very passionate fan. Like, like you analyze every pitch, you know, I can go to a game with, uh, with anybody that loves baseball that much that could talk about every pitch and we can have those conversations or I can go with my friends that, 
don't give one damn. They just want to put on their hat, grab a beer and hang out. And that's fine too. You know, yes. that's the great thing about baseball. Well, now it's funny. You mentioned that because the other thing we're going to bring up is professional wrestling. And well, that you got to be all in on all. Well, in. So my, <laughs> la- my last professional base, my last professional wrestling live experience was uh, we did, it was me and my college buddies. This was like 2016. We did a double header. So what we did was we went to Philly's game in the morning. We walked back into the into the, the parking lot, drank in the parking lot again, and then we had tickets to Money in the Bank at Wells Fargo nice. Center. In a box, Rob Van Dam came back, brought me right back to childhood. Fucking explain the love of wrestling. Like, where did that come from? That's That's been all my life. That was yeah, the first time I really fell in love with it. Uh, saw it on TV. Like, every kid back in the 80s would watch it on TV on Saturday morning, on, on Sunday morning, whatever it might be. And then... We went to the video store and rented WrestleMania four. And I was like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. Oh my God. Look how big these guys are. So ever since then, like it's, it's just been something that's always been there. And my friend, now I'll say this, my wrestling friends, you better be in or else you're out. Oh yeah. Like, no, no, if you're not in with me, you're out. We, it was, but we had, a, we had a buddy of ours. One of my buddies from college, his name's Chris. Uh, one time we were drinking in our house and he was like, yeah, I got to show you something. And uh, he was like, he, he brings me into his room and he opens his closet. And I was like, what the fuck is this kid doing? And he's like, <laughs> he has all these wrestling DVDs and like shirts in his closet. And he's like, I fucking love pro wrestling. And I've never told you guys about it. And I was like, dude, I fucking love wrestling. Let's watch wrestling. Watch this wrestling. Kid, like, this kid legitimately had to like confess to me. He was like, I fucking love wrestling, dude. And I was like, I love wrestling too. Who was your- Well, there used to be such a stigma about it. And uh, nowadays it's like, dude, just like what you like. And I'm, I'm too old to care what people think about me. You I are just, uniquely you, bro. That's what yeah. I was saying earlier. Like to me, like I, I was like, I was always, cause I grew up like right in the, the, the heat of it. I was stone cold, the rock. I was, I also had uh WCW site so sting Hulk Hogan. What was your like growing up? Who was your, who was your, was it Hulk Hogan? Who was your guy? It, it was the Hulkster. It was the macho man, the million dollar man. It was, it was all those guys. And then, uh, Hogan and or uh, Stone Cold and The Rock and I actually went to WrestleMania 15 in Philly, wow. which was a really cool thing. Uh, that that was it wasn't Wells Fargo. What was it Spectrum. first? Well, no, First Union. May have been First Union at that. It point. was First yeah. Union, Wells Fargo, Wachovia. It's it was, been everything. It was 99. Whatever it was, it was 1999. I think it's First it was Union. A, yeah, it was a great time. Um, yeah, but all that's dude, and it's just been ever since then. Now there have been a little bit. There have been some periods where it's been a down period and I I've taken off just yeah. for like a month or two, but it's been there forever. Of course, man. Like to me, like my biggest wrestling, I'm trying to think of like my wrestling memories. I think Mick Foley getting thrown off the top of the cage by the undertaker will always stick with me. Like being such a young, impressionable age. I was like, well, he's fucking dead. And yeah, I, really, like, should, I thought that and I was 18 years old. You know I was like, saying? he's dead. <laughs> but like, to me, like still to this day, like, I'm not as invested as I was previously, but like, I still respect the fact that like we, we had a segment on earlier in the week where we talked about like top live. Uh, we do like a, like a, like kind of a Mount Rushmore thing every week. And it was like top live events could be mm. like the Grammys, the Oscars, any sporting event. And my first pick was WrestleMania. Cause you see in the fans eyes, how invested they are in it. And it always gets me like I like when the undertaker lost, I, I just, the, the reactions of the people in the crowd were just like, what the fuck yeah. just happened? Same at home too. It was the same at home. And yes, wrestle there. There really is nothing like going to WrestleMania. I went, I, the last one I went to was in Dallas at AT&T and there were a hundred thousand people there. Unbelievable. It was insane. It was what absolutely was that stadium insane. Like what was that experience? Like, cause I've always heard amazing things. It's a pretty, you know what? It, it's the home of the Cowboys. I know, I know, 
You don't have um, to qualify that. I know. Fuck them. But yeah. <laughs> and it does cost $100 to park on their lot. Believe it. Which I did not know that was coming. So we parked two miles away oh, for $50. I would have parked in the middle of the woods. I would have parked on the freeway. I don't give a fuck. Well, there's nowhere to. It's, it's in the middle of nowhere. It's in Fort Worth. It's in the middle of Texas. It, it's yeah. It's. It's just in the middle of nowhere, but it was Jerry the Jones. stadium is not. It's really nice. It really and it's massive. And the screen in there was unbelievable. Are it's, you a? Are you? It's a Redskins, pretty cool. Are you an Eagles or a Redskins guy? No, I'm. A, I if I were to pick a team, it'd be the Ravens. Oh, okay, good. All right, great choice. Great choice. Well, first off, if you have the choice being in the DMV to choose between the Ravens and the soon to be formerly known as Redskins, the yeah. Ravens are much more successful in recent years. So that's where I would go as well. Well, I, I grew up in Baltimore too, and I did. I actually went oh, to so the you, first Ravens game they ever had against the Eagles in 1996. So you grew a, up in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. that's cool. Yeah. Really cool. First off, another city we didn't talk about this earlier, but like they got to get more venues in that city, man. Baltimore. Baltimore's a great town. It's a great city. I'm a big seafood guy, so I'm I'm a big I'm a big Maryland guy. We were eating crabs this weekend. We had it for Fourth of July, and I was like, dude, I fucking love Maryland. <laughs> I was like, thank God for Maryland, dude. Um, like this has been a spectacular time. I'm so glad I got to talk to you post quarantine or mid quarantine. I guess I don't know what the fuck this is. Let's hope it's the end. Let's hope it's the end, but we know the truth. It's it's we're not even close. Uh, plausible deniability over here, my man. I have no, <laughs> I, I, it's all the end to me. But uh, I will send you over a link to the record. I want you to get it first, um, and then we'll uh, we'll talk after that. That's awesome, man. I can't wait to hear it. And uh, I might know a guy that knows a guy that could possibly play one of these songs in the air. We'll see. Put him in contact with me, all right? <laughs> <laughs> all right, Mike. Great talking to you, buddy. Brother, thanks, man. I appreciate it. No problem.